0: Hey everybody, as many of you know, Across the Margin, the podcast is part of the Osiris Media Group. Osiris has a partnership I want to let you know about before we get going. It's with Fans for Racial Equity. Fans for Racial Equity is a community of jam band fans that promotes racial equity and respect for difference within the fish and greater jam band community and beyond. They strive to make the community a more welcoming space for people of all races and ethnicities. It was founded in 2017 and has an active social media presence with over 1,500 members in its Facebook group. Recent activities have included tabling inside Fish shows, working with music venues to implement racial equity training for staff, hosting an all day virtual retreat that included a public panel highlighting the experiences of fans of color in the Fish community, and raising almost $5,000 for the racial justice organization Color of Change, an amazing organization. And also to advocate that venues and bands use their influence to enact changes around policing in communities that fans visit to see shows. Check them out that their Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com uh, backslash fans for racial equity. Twitter at P-H-A-N-F-O-R-R-A-C-E-Q. And they're on Instagram too at fans for racial equity. So uh, check that out and let's get into it.
1: Laughing Heart Your life is your life Don't let it be Clubbed into dank submission Be on the watch There are ways out There is light somewhere It may not be much light But it beats the darkness Be on the watch The gods will offer you Chances Know them and take them You can't beat death, but you can beat death in life. Sometimes, the more often you learn to do it, the more light there will be. Your life is your life. Know it while you have it. You are marvelous. The gods wait to delight in you. That's a beauty, yeah.
0: Welcome to Across the Margin the Podcast. What you just heard was uh, a poem, The Laughing Heart. It was read by Tom Waits and it's by Charles Bukowski. Um, and I am Michael Shields. I am your host today. Um, speaking of Charles Bukowski, undoubtedly, he's one of the most fascinating figures in American literature. Labeled by Time Magazine as the Laureate of American Low Life, Bukowski was a prolific underground writer who used his prose and poetry to brilliantly depict the Depravity of urban life and the downtrodden in American society. Bukowski's writing is rife with whip and brimming with brutal in-your-face honesty. If you haven't read his work, I must steer you towards f- his first novel, Post Office, published when Bukowski was 50. It's an autobiographical account of his life that is flush with debauchery and dark humor. Or grab a copy of his fourth novel, Ham on Rye a coming-of-age story that recounts the cruel brutality of life growing up amid the Great Depression. If you want to give his poetry a run, you should check out Burning on Water, Drowning in Flame, selected poems from 1955 to 1973. It's wild stuff. He also wrote the screenplay for the gritty drama film Barfly, starring Mickey Rourke, all in all, Bukowski has wrote more than 40 books of poetry, prose, and novels, and his impact on American literature and culture is incalculable. Bukowski wrote with no apologies and lived his life in the same manner. It's a challenging task to unearth a video interview with him where he doesn't have a glass or a bottle or a drink of some kind in his hand, where he isn't candidly sharing his worldview in a straightforward nothing harsh take on his contemporaries. One can't help but wonder, what it would be like to spend time with him, and to share drinks with him, and to pick his mind, and to attempt to come to terms with this incredibly complicated genius? Well, today's guest on the program, Silvia Bizio, had just that opportunity. Silvia is an Italian journalist and film producer, and a recent documentary about Charles Bukowski entitled, You Never Had It, An Evening with Bukowski, features Silvia during an intimate evening interview with him in January of 1981, at his home in San Pedro, California, at the peak of his literary success. The vintage footage of what was a seven-hour interview was long thought lost, until Sylvia found the valuable footage 20 years after Bukowski's passing. During that fateful evening, Sylvia and Charles, as well as Bukowski's soon-to-be-wife, Linda Lee Bailey, smoke cigarettes and drink wine and converse in-depth about literature, sex, charles childhood and humanity in general you never had it an evening with bukowski is a rare and penetrating look at the man behind the words one that reveals bukowski for who he was warts and all it was a privilege to speak to sylvia about our experience that evening and about this excellent documentary as well we talked about their relationship one where bukowski treated her with nothing but respect and a profound level of trust built between them allowed sylvia to ask hard and deep questions once that Bukowski answered unflinchingly, we discuss her takeaways of the evening, a few particulars of their discussion, the incredible story of how the documentary came to be, and a whole lot more. I have no doubt you will enjoy this interview with Italian journalist and film producer Silvia Bizzio. Cross. Cross.
2: Cross. 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 Margin. Cross the Margin.
0: Cross
2: the Margin. Cross Margin. Cross
0: Cross the Thank you so much for making the time. I appreciate you calling.
3: No, that's okay. I appreciate the intention to... My film. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's well it's really it's really, really wonderful. I was it was it was wild being um you know through that through your doc to kind of spend the night with you and uh, Bukowski. That's that was really intense. It's wonderful work, thank you. <laughs> we were
3: young. I was young. Yeah. <laughs> That's what
0: it is. Like. <laughs> I'm um I'm curious so, just to kind of start us out. What um y- you had spoken to him before, right? That this was not your first uh interview or conversation with him, is that correct?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had spoken several times before. In fact, I just re some of my old interviews and discovered that a big, big interview that I did with him for the Los Angeles Times, mm-hmm. uh, a double-page spread, really big, it was dated uh, January 4, 1981. So <laughs> that's why the first, you know, as he told me on the newspaper interview. But I had met him uh, years before we had been... Uh, in contact and communicating and, and not just interviews. I would go to his house and spend time with him and Linda Lee. And I had a very, very good friend at the time who sadly passed a few years ago, mm. Fernanda Pivano, to whom I dedicated the film, who was a journalist and a writer and a woman who translated the most of the big generation writers mm. uh, in Italian. And she also knew Bukowski, and so when she would come to Los Angeles uh, and stay in my house, we would go and visit Hank, uh, and it was so nice to see them together. You know, he was such a gentleman, and she was around because she was an older lady, and he was very respectful. So we had spent uh, many, many times and many, many uh, drinking beans kind of evenings (laughs) (laughs) together, all of us. Also, sometimes with other friends mm-hmm. of his at the house, uh, he always lives, but since I've known him, he was living at the, uh, in that house in San Pedro, where yeah, the
0: film was shot. Yeah, it's clear you guys have definitely, um, you know, had a relationship uh, prior, because he seemed to really, really trust you and, and be able to open up to you. So you guys had that trust between each other, and he felt comfortable kind of revealing himself to you, or is that just who he is?
3: No, I feel we, we did have a pretty special yeah. relationship. I mean, he was. He was a wonderful uh, man in many ways, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I'm hoping also that transpires from this interview, that people read his books and his poems and go to his poetry reading and used to. And I think, uh, you know, he's a rap uh, and, uh, it, you know, his words can be really tough. But in yeah. reality, he, unless he was drunk, in which case... <laughs> things would change
1: mm-hmm.
3: often as he um, says himself he, was, he, uh, he admits uh, that yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry go he, but otherwise he was a very soft and uh, soft-spoken and uh, gentle and really wonderful man yeah. very soft-spoken and very polite i mean i was on the set of uh, barfly also with him and uh, mm-hmm. barbie showed and uh, and uh, there was such a respectful uh, you know atmosphere and relationships around
0: him so yeah I love I love, I love hearing that because um you know he does describe himself in the film or in, the, in when you were just talking to him how people expect him to get off a plane and you know be screaming yes. for for horrors and, and drinks and and I it's interesting to hear you talk about him being such a soft-spoken and respectful man he so that's you know I guess you can help us share that that viewpoint of him as as something different than what people see him as or kind of you know the persona of him that's out there
3: That's right, but also keep in mind by the time I met him, he was almost sixty True. and certainly it wasn't the time of uh, some of the uh, of the years in the past when he would just you know um the, the, the years in which he describes as his drunken support mm-hmm. so with in fact you know, women and boers and the people in the street, uh, he had already uh, started publishing, he started making his uh, first uh, quite good money. And uh, I don't know that that really changed him, but it, probably not at the core, but uh, certainly. So the years in which I knew him were not
0: the years in was it uh, was just wake up in the street, you know, yeah. throwing up and being drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, caught him on the tail end of that. I'm curious about kind of the semantics of the evening. Did you know, um, yeah, obviously you were equipped with, you know, you had these 20-minute tapes and, and you used a bunch of them. Did you realize you were walking into um, what turned out to be a marathon interview, if uh, I might use that term?
3: No. Not, no. at <laughs> Not at all. Not all. We was, uh, I was supposed to do uh, a video interview. Yes, with uh, him. I believe it was for Italian television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually, I probably used uh, three minutes of it. Uh, but because it was going to be for television, I had uh, hired uh, a professional crew and a sound person and the cameraman and uh, and there were, and we actually went back the next day to sh- to his house uh, to shoot uh, different angles of my questions, oh, which wow. were never then we threw away because you know the sound was different, the loud was different. Yeah. And then it was just so nice that the relationships that, that we had and everything that we needed uh, came out. Uh, I I didn't know Uh, when I say everything we needed it's kind of silly because I had no idea well I mean this was and honestly I was pretty drunk at the end of the evening the way in which Matteo my son cut. It's sort of interspersed throughout the evening, but when we go down the stairs and we see the picture of Hemingway, the yep. photo of Hemingway, mm-hmm. and I remember being a little wobbly on my
0: face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I mean, bottles were being popped over and over again. Um, it was wonderful. Oh, yes. It was <laughs> wonderful how, you know, and I love hearing you speak on it, how, how he was a gentle and wonderful man. But we also see that side of him, and it was probably later in the evening where... Um, it was kind of tough to hear a little bit him talking about uh, you know, how women um, you know, come up to him and talk to him about his writing and there's kind of like a misogyny uh, at times kind of coming Mm -hmm. out a little bit and and, you know Um, so it it is interesting. And I was wondering if you could speak on it, how this film kind of shows um, how complicated of a man he was and how he has different aspects to him. And we saw that all happen in one evening here, which is wild. Mm -hmm. Well, it's,
3: it's very true. And I his writings uh, um, are... Uh, sometimes he used to tell me that the feminists or the women didn't like him or sometimes hated him, but that's because they didn't read everything that he had written. Mm-hmm. They would read some, get mad at it and stop reading. And it takes... Uh, it, you really needed to read, the, I'm not saying everything he wrote, but certainly in reading... A lot of his material, you find that exactly what you're saying. There were so many aspects of him, and you cannot identify him, you know, as misogynist or anything like that. Personally, I can attest to the fact that I've both seen him uh, being angry Mm -hmm. and uh, also not so gentle with his, uh, at the time soon to become his wife, Linda Lee, who he loved. um, And uh, at the same time, he has never been less than polite with me. Never in the seven or eight years that we used to see each other, and I used to go to their house, and uh, and then you know until my son was born, then you had to stop doing this kind of <laughs> crazy. Of <course. laughs> uh, I was at their wedding, at mm-hmm. his and Linda wedding. I mean, honestly, he was he was so happy. He was dancing, and he was. Putting on, you know, that funny hat that she had. uh, And then we went to their house. uh, And then he started drinking, and then he wasn't so gentle anymore. You know, it's Uh, uh, it's drinking, uh, it was, um, but he knew it. He knew it. And uh, at the same time, the typewriter and the wine uh, um, were uh, certainly, uh, you know. Yeah. Strong, uh, inspirational no.
0: moment. <laughs> it, <But> def- <laughs> it definitely makes makes sense. I'm curious now, looking back, it's got to kind of be pretty, you know, intense. Um, you know, revisiting the evening, and I was wondering if you had any uh, feelings about looking back and now, or even maybe like an important takeaway from the evening, or an idea you walked away with or, that you learned from that evening, because he was speaking on a lot of different topics and and some, and, and a lot of um, nuggets of really powerful information in there and anything stick with you or that you can speak on?
3: Well, at the time, not necessarily because I was also, uh, you know, quite different. (laughs) But when I look at, when I look at the material now, I I realize a couple of things. One Mm -hmm. is how rare and special moments like that are with uh, people whose work you read and admire and, uh, and, and to get to know the person so much is, uh, it's very, very special and it does so much. Um, the title is one of the things that I've carried with me all my life uh, since I read that line. And then, uh, and that was the reason actually Matteo chose that, that as the title and we read that, uh. Uh, that and i read that poem at the end because every time i think about you know difficult moments that this world is going through the cruelties uh, of the human race i i think of him i mm-hmm. think of uh, how profound uh, and uh, significant uh, that line humanity you never had it from the beginning it's just uh, it's just something that always sticks in my head um, and as a journalist, I also must say I think I was a better journalist then. I wasn't afraid <laughs> to ask the tough questions. Oh, absolutely. you absolutely! Know? And uh, <laughs> you know, then you become more, you know, more careful. You have, you know, you yourself have more success. You think mm-hmm. of your readers, and you think of, you know, your station and your place in 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 the world of journalism, mm-hmm. and in Hollywood now because I cover the Hollywood industry, which I didn't at the time. Yep. yep. Um. You know, then you think, oh, I can. You know, then you stop asking some of the tough questions, and it's uh, it's too bad because uh, uh, journalists should ask the tough questions. Absolutely, Oriana I mean, felt she was, uh, you know, my goddess and my inspiration to become a journalist, and I felt that I should have been like her more. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's clear that you were um you weren't shy in asking the questions that needed to be asked and and prodding, and it was really really wonderful. I'm glad you just spoke on that too. That that last line, um, and that line from the poem and, and became the title of it, humanity. You, uh, never had it from the beginning because it speaks to, um, just kind of this bigger human nature thing. It's, it's, it's such an intimate film, but then, you know, it, 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 and it's about, you know, him and the relationship, but then it's about bigger things and about humanity. And, and it, it just, it made the whole film feel bigger, which I thought was really, really wonderful. Um, what, and this is kind of a loaded big question, but like, what, what would you feel, what would you like the viewer, if there wasn't aim to this documentary, what would you want the viewer to walk away with thoughts about either about Charles or about the night or, you know, what, what would be the takeaway here?
3: Well, I really hope, uh, um, and I think I'm just preaching to the choir because, especially when I'm in Italy, uh, my goodness, when the film came out uh, in at the Venice Film Festival and mm. it's still now going on television in Italy constantly, uh, young people are really, really, really in love with Bukowski. Uh, they There is a new found uh, uh, appreciation for his writing. So. Maybe more there as it was years ago than here. And I'm hoping that people uh, let's kind of rediscover him and mm-hmm. his writing and John Fantes' writing and that big generation that gave us so much. Um, at least that was so influential to me in my growing up, mm-hmm. you know, reading Kerouac, innsberg. Uh, and uh, sometimes, you know, I don't find those writers anymore. Yeah. Uh, they don't, you know, the, the writers that uh, bring you to another world, you know, mm-hmm. even. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about the formative years of my life. I'm hoping that people will read really this I think Bukowski is just as uh, uh, alive and, how do you say, actual, actual, mm. no, not actual, uh, um, in present. Uh, today and important today as as it was then.
0: Yeah. Well, so we um, that was that was well, very well said and beautiful too. Um, this, was this, this was your son that um, directed it? Is it Mateo?
3: Yes, Mateo yeah. is my son, right. and he's the one uh, who had the idea to do it because when we literally, lo- I had literally lost and didn't think I had mm-hmm. all the tapes that, that were in a box in my garage. In our garage, and this, since then we also moved houses, so the boxes moved, and I thought they were in Rome, and they weren't in Rome. And mm-hmm. then one day we, I said, you know, I I told Matteo, I said, I I bet those tapes are somewhere. So we literally took down every box in the garage, and we found them. And he had them digitized, and then he started the computer and started looking at them and looking at them and looking at them, and he said, Oh my mom, mom is ready. I think you have a chance here because. He knew Bukowski, he had Mm -hmm. read Bukowski, and he had never seen some of that stuff. So he had the idea, and he spent a year going through all the tapes that we had, and so much of it was damaged and unusable, Mm -hmm. but... uh, and then there were, of course, you know, there were there was a long conversation about sex. Oh so my goodness! And he said, "Let's just," uh, you know. And I said, "No, you cannot use this because it was, it was me talking about." You know, I said, "No, no, no, no too much." That was going to be one of my final
0: questions here. It Was kind of like what was left on the cutting room floor? Or any, any conversations you had? There, lot might-
3: of a lot of sex. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep i bet you could, you could tell he was staring that way on, on on multiple occasions as well yeah um but it's really it's such a wonderful um documentary I, I, it's it's such a treat to kind of um you know experience uh is somewhat what you experienced that evening and it's it's it is such an intimate piece of work and it's 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 really wonderful and so i'm i'm i'm, um, I'm thrilled to spread the word about it and um, i'm also uh, honored to have the opportunity to talk to you about it so thank you so much
3: thank you thank you michael it was
0: lovely that was wonderful it was a great chance to talk to sylvia uh about her evening and uh hear more about that backstory check out the doc it's really really great um really it allows you to spend the evening with them it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and, and fascinating so to close um let's hear from the man himself this is charles bukowski reading uh, a great great poem
2: of his called bluebird thanks for listening There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. I say, stay in there. I'm not going to let anybody see you. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I pour whiskey on him and inhale cigarette smoke and and the whores and the bartenders and the grocery clerks. Never know that he's in there. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. I say, stay down. Do you want to mess me up? Do you want to screw up the works? Do you want to blow my book sales in Europe? There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too clever. I only let him out at night sometimes, when everybody's asleep. I say, I know that you're there, so don't be sad. And I put him back, but he is singing a little in there. I haven't quite let him die. And we sleep together like that, with our secret pact, and it's nice enough to make a man weep but I don't weep do you? Osiris
0: This podcast is In The Loop the legion of Osiris podcasts Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love get in the loop at OsirisPod.com